new shows that have influenced me recently. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I love that you use the word influenced. <laughs> well, because I can watch something and be pretty, like, ambivalent about sure. it. And it doesn't get me going. Mm-hmm. Like, make me, make me feel. Mm-hmm. But right now, I have started The Real Housewives of Potomac. Okay. Which is chock full of drama. Love <laughs> it. Of course it is. And then I've watched one episode of Chopped Canada, which made me the angriest <gasps> person in the world. Really? <laughs> Why so angry? <laughs> because in episode one, there was this fucking guy. I don't know his name. Matt, I think. It, I of think course it, it's Matt. Just some... And he honestly, every time it cut to him in the confessional, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm watching a future serial killer. The oh. arrogance, the like deadpan, the deadness in the eye. Oh, no. And second round, my mm-hmm. girl Stephanie mm-hmm. was making a stir fry. Gorgeous. And had the noodles. Matt also wanted to make a stir fry. And first, Stephanie was like, oh, I have the noodles. And then she was like, actually, I need these. And then he took them anyways. Are you serious? He, she he looked her in the eyes as she was saying, "I'm gonna need it," and just took it. <gasps> and since then, I have wished only death. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the audacity! Rant. I could not believe it. And the fact that the judges let it happen, the host, the host is what's his name? Dean McDermott, Tori Spelling's ex-husband. Really? Yeah. Okay. Random, right? Yeah. Very. <laughs> It was. I'm not a fan of Chopped Canada so far. Oof. <laughs> like that's the anger I've had towards that. Show. That I get it. Me and Zeth were just screaming <laughs> the whole time while we were watching it. <laughs> and in the last round, mm-hmm. spoiler, Stephanie. They both made bread puddings because, of course, they did. Of course, Stephanie to put her bread pudding in an oven that wasn't turned on, <gasps> and so the whole round you're like fucking matt's gonna win that uh-huh. fucking dick and then at the end you realize that she had cooked something in there earlier that at like a real high temperature sure, sure, sure. and it's still hot and it was still hot and she had a water bath in there so it also with oh, hot water uh-huh. kept the bread pudding hot and it cooked perfectly oh my god and she won thank yes! god <laughs> yay stephanie but they really were setting you up to watch her fail oh gosh i fucking hate that yeah Oh, man. What did we watch recently? Oh, so when <laughs> in quarantine times, uh-huh. um, we kind of obsessively watched Love is Blind. Okay. And it's on Netflix. And so we watched the reunion episode. Ooh, I love a reunion. That was like the two-year anniversary of these people getting married. Mm-hmm. And so naturally, they invited all of the original cast members back mm-hmm. and Danny and I spent two, two, oh gosh, several hours mm-hmm. watching, I think it was like two or three episodes of this one event, <laughs> just the chaos of all, and I had to pause it so many times, be like, can you believe how she is talking to Ebony right now? I could scream. I love reunion episodes oh of reality gosh. TV. And I have been known to only watch the reunions and not actually the shows. (laughs) 90 Day Day Fiance, I've seen maybe a handful of that show. Uh I have watched all of the reunions because I love watching them fight. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So 
there was some redemption happening. Hell yeah. There was some, like, the audacity of this man. How very dare he. Mm-hmm. And then it said, you know, at the end of it, and it was like, it was like, don't worry, season two is coming. I screeched. <laughs> Danny looked at me like I was crazy. The cat, like, giant eyeballs, like, ears, ears at the ready, mm-hmm. whipped her head around and was like, what the fuck? fuck is going on <laughs> needless to say i'm very excited oh <sighs> yeah i, I generally it. don't like trash tv but it's sometimes just what you need it, it, yeah and okay so trash tv i mm-hmm. sometimes have an issue watching it because i do feel like oh no they're exploiting oh, these no. people yep. but then with with potomac i'm learning mm-hmm. that i am completely fine with rich people <laughs> <laughs> being made to look foolish absolutely oh you have more money than you ever could possibly Mm -hmm. possibly need in your lifetime or the next Mm -hmm. yeah i don't have a problem making fun of you oh yeah there was an episode where they had some very negative things to say about the help (gasps) as they kept referring to this man as did not yes it is so i was like trash y'all are trash (laughs) Bad people. Yeah. But I cannot stop watching them. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're all... They're <laughs> oh, I don't know what it is. It's so good. They were... Just how obscenely rich these people are. Uh-huh. And, like, also obscenely judgmental. Yeah. There's a new girl in the group, Ashley. She's 26. And she's trying to move uh-huh. in into the Potomac oh, I circle. Oh, that's going well. Mm-hmm. And her intro, because you know all the housewives. Yep. I'm spring chicken in the cougar's den. Like, that's her thing. <laughs> and they're going to eat her alive. Oh, she's holding her own. But yes, they will eat her <laughs> own. <laughs> uh, she had a birthday party. And separately throughout the episode, this is what I was doing instead of uh, focusing on my homework. Because <laughs> I just needed to know what was happening. Separately, they all were coming up to the bar to get like a drink. Uh-huh. And they were asked to open a tab. Okay. And all of them were like, cash bar? I don't think so. And now they all, like, (laughs) hate her. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And then Karen, one of the other women, later in the episode, Mm -hmm. Ashley is given a Porsche for her birthday. Naturally. Because they are rich. She's she's a child. (laughs) And Karen just goes, she gets negative five points for the cash bar. But she gets three points for the Porsche. (laughs) Oh, my God. And and that's just the mindset that these people live in. Can you imagine? Barf. (laughs) Barf City. No. God, I love talking shit about them, though. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Hi. This is That Broad's Got Moxie. Mm -hmm. I'm Kiana. I'm Cassie. Danny's here. Chilling, mm-hmm. giving the the double wave. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a time! I'm mm-hmm. going first this this week. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. This is going to be a fun one. Okay, it's short. I was promised sauce, though. It is. <laughs> that, that is true. It is saucy. <laughs> oh, okay. So the Moxie lady that I am talking about this week is Julie Daubigny. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I do not All right. do not know. So, Julie Daubigny, bisexual swordsman, oh. opera singer, Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first off, my sources this mm-hmm. week, I used rejectedprincesses.com. Classic. Love them. Love them. Love them. 
that wonderful book that I have, Bygone Badass Broads mm-hmm. by Mackenzie Lee. A medium.com article called Julie Daubigny, Duelist, Opera Singer, Agitator. And then a bus.com article, Meet Julie Daubigny, the French gender-bending opera diva your history teacher didn't want you to know about. So I was like, here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Julie Daubigny was born in France in 19, excuse me, in 19, in 1673. Oh, okay. <laughs> and just, I just want to put this out there right away. We don't actually know if her name is officially Julie. Mm-hmm. We don't actually know like a ton of like cold, hard facts about this, but anecdotally what we know about Julie, <laughs> she's, she's a pip. <laughs> okay. So her father was a master of the horses and oh. the, the stableman mm-hmm. for King Louis XIV of Versailles. So he lived on the grounds of Versailles in the stable quarters, obviously, mm-hmm. not in the palace. But Julie, growing up, did learn, you know, she learned all of the gender appropriate things, quote mm-hmm. unquote, for the time, like dancing and reading and drawing. But with her father as the stable master, uh, she also learned swordsmanship riding and hunting alongside all of the boys and like future pages and squires and shit of the king. So spending all this time with the young men, (laughs) she became very comfortable in men's clothes and in their beds. (laughs) (laughs) So Julie's father, however, had a nasty habit of basically just fighting off all of the men that tried to court his daughter. Okay. <laughs> so, in an effort to not have this happen, she started getting freaky with the only man who he wouldn't try to fight off, which is basically just his boss. The king? No, no. <laughs> There's a few more steps between king okay. and stable master. <laughs> No, she wasn't banging King Louis, but... <laughs> Sorry, I got ex- I got excited. You really went full hog on that one. The I went king? to the top! <laughs> yes, you did. No, just, just one above. His direct supervisor. His, his direct supervisor, yeah. Not straight to the CEO. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, in an effort to fight fire with fire... Her father then insisted that the two get married. Mm-hmm. He was like, okay, fine. You want to do this? Fine. You have to get married. And she was like, no, no, no. That's not <laughs> happening. And so she just got the fuck out of there uh, to become a performer. Oh, good. As a fencing prodigy, she found a handsome young man and they fled to Marseille. Marseille? Marseille? By the sea. It's the French one by the sea. It looks like Versailles, but it's spelled with an M. So I think it's Marseille. Um, I think it's Marseille. Marseille? You're right. It is Marseille. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> God. How? I know. I looked at Danny and then I looked at you and <laughs> nothing makes sense anymore. So they fled to Marseille and then traveled across France and basically did like sword fighting demonstrations. She would duel with any challenger and would win against even the like beefiest dudes. Mm-hmm. 
big giant swords and she's like i got yeah. this and they were almost definitely underestimating her oh 100 <laughs> percent. this is a good part one of many <laughs> <laughs> at one of these dueling performances some douchebag loudly voiced his doubt that she was a woman because you know women can't fight that well and he uh-huh. was like that's not a woman mm-hmm. come on and so what do you think she did did she pull out the puss? <laughs> she didn't go. <laughs> she didn't go that far. Oh, However, sorry. she did whip up her shirt and showed off them titties. <laughs> All while continuing to duel. Oh, damn. Yeah. So sword in one hand, shirt she- in the other, titties out. She's like, here. <laughs> See? See him? Don't ask about genitalia. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't. I did you just say? I I'm having like. <laughs> That's the title of this episode. Pop out the puss. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. I really. You know what? <laughs> I I appreciate it. <clears throat> Sometimes when you ask me questions, I'm like, quick guess. Guess. <laughs> It can only be a couple of things to really mm-hmm. get the point across. <laughs> and you just go big or go home. I sure did jump straight down there. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So during all of these, you know, dueling challenges with assholes, yeah. she killed at least 10 men during these duels. Mm-hmm. And was incidentally pardoned because the laws regarding dueling... Only pertain to men. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking loophole. <laughs> loophole. She was like, I mean, <laughs> what are you going to do? Is it murder if it's a woman? Exactly. <laughs> Probably not because they're assholes. Yeah. But, yeah. So, prone to flight's fancy, she became bored of her sword fighting lover. And she caught the eye of a local merchant's beautiful blonde daughter. <laughs> <laughs> And so the merchant discovered his kid was soup's queer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and was like, oh, this will not do. So he sent his daughter to a nunnery to, to keep them apart. But Julie was not phased <laughs> because, well, she is also a lady. Mm-hmm. And she just showed up and was, was like, <laughs> yes, hello. I would also like to be a nun. <laughs> and I mean, historically... Them nunneries. Them nunneries. <laughs> they are a queer mecca, yeah. if you will. Undercover, though. Okay. So now they, they're they both in this convent. Mm-hmm. The two began having secret sexy nun times. Mm-hmm. You know, so doing some sexy hanky-panky mm-hmm. in the house of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or eventually caught. Nobody was super keen on it. Mm-hmm. So Julie was given the boot. Oh. But instead of, you know, moving on, mm-hmm. they cooked up a plot to escape and get her, you know, Julie was like, oh, I got to go get my lady out of there. Mm-hmm. So what happened was <laughs> they took the body of a recently deceased nun. Okay. For all intents and purposes, I think it was a natural, like, <laughs> like a natural causes. Mm-hmm. I don't think she, like, murdered her or anything. And hid the body of the dead nun 
in one of their beds, you know, like mm-hmm. like you do with like pillows to make yeah. it look like yeah. Okay. So when they came around to do like bed checks or prayers or whatever, they were like, oh well, there you go, she's in bed. Was not. So Julie, I thought they were gonna fake her death, but they just used her like a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of devastating. <laughs> Yeah, so Julie goes in, takes this body, mm-hmm. puts it in the bed, grabs her lady friend, her girlfriend, and they escape, and, you know, bada bing, bada boom, they set the place on fire and flee into the night. What? <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be judgmental. I feel like they could have come up with a better plan. They absolutely... <laughs> this was not well thought out. This was... This was chaos mm-hmm. at best. <laughs> and you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. so maybe they were under a lot. Maybe, you know, I wasn't there. Yeah. Maybe there was a lot more going on mm-hmm. than anybody realizes. Maybe this was their only option. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I feel like they could have done all of this without setting the convent on fire. Mm-hmm. But what do I know? <laughs> also, pillows. The dead body Maybe in the pillows would have worked. <laughs> yeah. Maybe some hay. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Is there a, a dead goat? Is there you a goat? Find? You want to invite invite the like convent puppy? You, oh, come here, come here, Bruno. You can you can lay in here. Oh, like that would be adorable. Yeah, it would be. Can you imagine pulling those sheets back? Hi, buddy. <laughs> Where the fuck is what's her name? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> okay. So now all of this happened. Before Jul- Julie turned 20. Oh, okay. She's real rambunctious. Yeah. <laughs> in her early years. Okay. So they run off into the night. Convent ablaze behind them. Mm-hmm. So they were only together for a little while. <laughs> because soon the honeymoon phase ended. Mm-hmm. And Julie was again on the lookout for a new mistress. And she found one. In the theater. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this was very, like, a lot of Julie's decisions from what I take from her. Mm-hmm. Real, real quick. Rash. Not a lot of <laughs> rash. <laughs> very, not a lot of deep contemplation mm-hmm. about things that are happening in her life. <laughs> so, yeah, one day she just decided, oh, I'm going to be a stage performer now. Which worked out well because she very quickly became an opera superstar in Paris under the name Mademoiselle Maupin. Oh. Mm-hmm. She originally sang as a soprano, but when she started singing in her natural, like, slightly lower contralto mm-hmm. range, people fucking went crazy for it. Mm-hmm. Because she was the first and only contralto on oh. stage at the time. So wow. people were like, what is this? This is interesting. This is a new key. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so people loved Julie for her incredible singing voice. And also because, I mean, she's a good time. <laughs> for everyone, literally. She's into it. Oh. So in addition to performing opera, she also liked gambling, uh, seducing men, seducing ladies while dressed in men's clothing. Oh. And also dueling any men who tried to stop her from doing any of the aforementioned things. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, you're trying to have a good time? I'll fight you. And she's like, okay. But you're probably not going to walk home after this. <laughs> and I won't get in trouble for it. Exactly. Because I'm a lady. <laughs> Loophole. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a lady. 
Julie was notorious for her poor decision making <laughs> and hot temper. <laughs> also me. Yeah. <laughs> she enjoyed picking fights with anyone who looked at her the wrong way. In fact, one evening, a man in her theater company was just being, a, from all, for all intents and purposes, just being a huge dick and a misogynist to all of the women backstage. Okay. And she did not appreciate that. Good. So, she followed him home after rehearsal, challenged him to a duel, and he basically was like, I'm not going to sword fight a lady. Mm-hmm. And so instead, she just beat the shit out of him with a cane <laughs> and stole his watch. <laughs> Vigilante justice at its finest, if I may. I love. I also love that we know she makes rash decisions. <laughs> yeah. And she just works with this guy. <laughs> She's got to look at him the next day. Uh-huh. And in fact does. The next day at the theater, <laughs> Mr. Jerkface was black and blue. <laughs> And going on and on about being jumped by this vicious band of hoodlums, oh. right? Mm-hmm. And so Julie walks in and uh, basically is like, you're full of shit, <laughs> and throws him his watch. <laughs> That's honestly what I was hoping. <laughs> this couldn't have gone any better. Right. She was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> You got beat up by a girl, and I'm going to make sure everybody fucking knows. Mm-hmm. And I like that she took the proof of the watch. Yes. <laughs> to be like, see, here you go. Yeah. <sighs> Julie's romantic exploits were nearly as legendary as her brawls. She enjoyed wearing men's clothes and flirting with pretty ladies. At a royal ball, she noticed one specific young woman that all the men were after. So she thought, oh, I got this. <laughs> and before you know it, They're dancing and flirting and hooking up in the salon. Mm -hmm. Naturally, a scuffle ensued because toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And she (laughs) proceeded to just open a can of whoop ass. (laughs) (laughs) And was like, okay, anybody else? Come on. It's okay. I'm I'm ready. (laughs) This illegal dueling Mm -hmm. on royal grounds (laughs) should have condemned her to death. But... King Louis, as Kiana would say, uh huh, said, that was dope. <laughs> no guillotine for you. I love that. Because <laughs> that's how I heard him in my head. And so, you know. Uh, our lady Julie was oh so dramatic. But not always in a fun kind of way. <laughs> oh, no. During a feature in Brussels, during a stage performance... She uh, stabbed herself with a real knife on stage. Why the fuck would she do this? (laughs) Because her latest gentleman caller was being less than loyal, and she wanted to regain his attention. And to that I say, girl, do not stab yourself to catch the eye of some man. It is not worth it. And she has. Find a hot lady to go home with. (laughs) She has selection. She has everything. Everybody wants a piece of Julie. Mm -hmm. Let's see. (laughs) Okay. So this little stunt did not work, though, Mm -hmm. because she freaked him the fuck out. (laughs) And basically, he offered money Mm -hmm. to just leave him alone and pretend they never met. (laughs) Honestly, that's the ideal breakup for me. (laughs) 
somebody just being like, I will pay you to leave me alone. Can I pay you 40,000 francs oh. to just pretend you never knew me? <laughs> Done deal. <laughs> francs. No problem. <laughs> Bye. I'm going to the Riviera. <laughs> right. Yeah. Julie did not like this, though. So she screamed at him, threw the money in his face, and pushed him down the stairs. <laughs> So the exact opposite of what this man was trying to Mm -hmm. slowly back away. Okay. So after this incident, Julie faded into obscurity and kind of disappeared from history Mm. almost altogether. From what we know, she ended her days heartbroken for Madame la Marquise de Florensac, the most beautiful woman in France who died of a fever in 1705. Uh, when Julie was 31. And Julie died in a convent. Maybe? Question mark? <laughs> mm-hmm. There's been a lot of, like, debate about whether she, you know, had mm-hmm. this, like, religious awakening and decided to become a better person before she died. Because mm-hmm. everybody was like, oh, she's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> she's everything that us good, God-fearing people don't like. So, we don't know. Mm-hmm. That for sure. But... Uh, she died in probably 1707 of unknown causes at the age of 33. Hmm. She, but goddamn, <laughs> she was a she was saucy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as the great Billy Joel would say, "Only the good die young." <laughs> so there you have it. Okay, Julie Dobinia. What I a like, wild, what a wild card. I like Julie. <laughs> I do too. I saw that and I was like, excuse me? She sounds like a fun time. I do enjoy people who just go around and fight. <laughs> yes, you do. It's that Aries energy in yeah. you that's just constantly like, what? Come at me, bro. <laughs> I just, I see the anger. <laughs> I feel like Aries anger is rash. I, ha- I cannot think about it. I just have to do it. And I think yeah. Scorpios are scary because they plot. And I'm like, why are you thinking about it? Do it. <laughs> and if they thought about it, they've thought of something I haven't thought about. <laughs> so there's there's been scheming that yeah. has happened for sure. Yeah. And that's terrifying. It's that's just like different. <laughs> yeah. Those are different vibes for yeah. sure. Both scary. <laughs> yes. But yeah. To be clear. <laughs> okay. okay. Who are you talking about this week? I am talking about Matilda of Tuscany. Matilda of Tuscany. I like mm-hmm. her already. Mm-hmm. Very Catholic. So we're getting into it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you said very Catholic and my eyes got real big. <laughs> there's a lot of historical context to this. Okay. So there's... Uh, it's... The Catholic Church... Mm-hmm. In this story is important, and it's following the fall of Rome. Okay. So there's, like, power issues going uh-huh. on. Anyways, I'll just hop right into okay, it. Okay, hop into it. So, before I talk about Matilda's life, it's, I just want to note that Matilda was one of the few women of the Middle Ages to have a prominent role in political affairs of the church and state. Oh, so okay. like, completely not normal. Gotcha. <laughs> um, medieval chroniclers, so, like, 
the people who are writing down history, traditionally ignored women of their time or made token references to them, a la the classic, you know, Madonna horror yeah. complex. However, Matilda escapes this fate, which oh. is interesting. Okay. And she is, most of what we know about her is transmitted through us through, like, letters of people in the era mm-hmm. talking about her or her own notes. Oh, okay. Which wow. Which is very cool. That is very cool. Yeah. So, she was probably born in the northern Italian city of Lucca in 1046 to parents Beatrice of Bar, a niece of Emperor Conrad II, and her father, Boniface II, Lord of Canossa, and Margrave of Tuscany. Margrave is a title under the Holy Roman Emperor, basically like prince. With family titles like that, you can probably guess that the family was very powerful. (laughs) The marriage of Matilda's parents specifically marked a high point of good relations between the House of Canossa and the emperors, which was just making them super influential. They were influential before, now they're very influential. Gotcha. Not only that, the area under the family's control was geographically important and included sizable chunks of land in northern Italy with a concentration of power at Canossa, a fortress in the Apennine Mountains. Ooh. The area served as a natural path between the German states and Rome through a part of Italy that was under the papal influence, which is the Catholic Church. Gotcha. Although the rulers of the land, so they're in in Italy yeah. under papal influence. Sure. The rulers of the lands pledged allegiance to the Holy Roman Emperor, though, mm-hmm. which is not seated in Rome because mm-hmm. rip Rome, it's fallen, uh-huh. and it's in Germany. Okay. Get out. so it was the in-between spot both politically and geographically and things were starting to get tense between the two okay Uh, you see the holy roman emperor used to be seated in italy in the all roads lead to rome Uh heyday and the catholic church was very very influential and would make decisions regarding who the emperor would be okay when the germans got the title Holy Roman Emperor became an elective office Mm -hmm. awarded by the designated German electors. Okay. Selections were known to be influenced by politics with a king or emperor announcing the choice and then would just be rubber stamped by the Catholic Church. However, problems arise in 1045 when Pope Benedict IX was accused of selling the papacy. So bribes. Gotcha. Corruption. Sure, sure. All Mm -hmm. that. That's Uh, surprising. So things got messy mm-hmm. and armed struggles began between the Holy Roman Emperor, who was Henry III, and Pope Gregory VII. Because they were just vying for power uh-huh. in the region. Alliances were being declared. Oof. And Matilda's parents supported Pope Gregory's authority over Henry III. Okay. And because the area was so important, quick enemies of Henry, mm-hmm. quick friends of Gregory. Matilda, through all this drama, she's just still a wee babe, uh-huh. was educated under her mother's instruction. She learned Italian and German. She also knew Latin and French. Fuck. Right. She was skilled in needlework and had religious training. And there are also some sources that say she was educated in military strategy. Mm. Overall, she was becoming a very knowledgeable person and was keeping up with all of these events uh-huh. around her. She was very plugged in. In 1952, some shit went down and her father was assassinated. Rip. 
Following the death of her husband, Matilda's mother remarried a man with similar political beliefs, Godfrey III of Lower Lorraine, also known as Godfrey the Bearded. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Right. (laughs) That must be an impressive-ass beard to be, like, Godfrey the Bearded. Mm Mm-hmm. Damn. In the Middle Ages, when, like, everybody had a beard. Yeah. That must be glorious. He was the beard. He was the beard. (laughs) (laughs) And when I say similar political beliefs, of course I mean... Godfrey the Bearded supported the Pope Mm -hmm. over Henry III. Henry was angry that Beatrice, Matilda's mother, Uh remarried an enemy again. Uh, Again. And was like, and he was like, you know what? This marriage is invalid. I, you know, I think Godfrey forced the marriage on her. It's not real. Okay. And Beatrice was like, nah. (laughs) (laughs) And in 1055, Henry III was like, well, I don't like that. And so he kidnapped Beatrice and Matilda. <gasps> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. And maybe her, Matilda's brother. Sure. But also there are some accounts that Henry actually just killed him. Or he like died a mysterious death mm. due to mm-hmm. political things. But after the death of her brother, mm-hmm. Matilda is now the last surviving member of the House of Canosa. Oof. So she's got power Mm -hmm. but no matter her title she was still kidnapped uh (laughs) yeah not doing a whole lot when you're imprisoned yeah and she remained imprisoned until henry iii's death in 1056 with the persuasion of pope victor ii so now new pope new holy Mm -hmm. roman emperor okay this is going to happen quite a bit (laughs) great (laughs) with the persuasion of pope victor ii the six-year-old Henry IV <laughs> released Beatrice and Matilda. Oh, for fuck's sake. There probably was some real hard persuading for oh, a I'm sure. six-year-old. Do you want this, honey? This sugar cube? <laughs> I will play tag with you. Just let me out of here. <laughs> it's probably how it went. Right? Also, to be king at six? That's dumb. That's stupid. That's real stupid. You don't know. You're... They don't know what they're no, doing. No, they just want to play logs. Yeah. Play with like a logs and they're Legos and make mm. fart jokes. Yeah. Especially in ten fifty six. Legos were huge. <laughs> well, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. <laughs> that was dumb. <laughs> also, Henry's the Holy Roman Emperor in Germany. <laughs> I can't be confusing. bothered. It's all confusing. <laughs> so now released. Matilda is back in Italy, and she's recognized as the heiress of the House of Canosa. Okay. Although, in accordance with Roman laws, women had no rights to Mm. own or manage property. Of course they didn't. So, even though she was the heiress, she was still underage, and her stepfather now took possession of the lands. Okay. So, Henry's dead. Stepfather is taking over her land. She's still a kid. Uh-huh. Her mom's still there. It's a point of peace in, in their life. Okay. Which is few and far between. <laughs> <laughs> and things sort of kick off again in 1059. Matilda's now 13. Okay. And she's attending the Council of Sutri with her parents, which gives her an opportunity to observe politics firsthand. Mm. And... It went down. So (laughs) there was a conjunction of secular and papal politics at the assembly, and they were just trying to determine who would be the new pope. Okay. But because of all the power issues, Mm -hmm. it's not very clear. Mm. So at Sutri, the family's pick of pope was selected. Great. 
cool. Okay. But then in ni- in 10, I keep wanting to say 19. I know. In 1061, that pope died. Oh, for Pete's sake. Because they keep dying. <laughs> and so nope. messy politics once again. Yeah. <laughs> Matilda's family again supported the candidacy of somebody named Alexander II, but an anti-pope assumed the title of Honoris II, setting off more armed conflict. What the fuck is so, an anti-pope? It's just the people who want the pope to be the pope it's not their uh-huh. guy they just call him the anti-pope they just call him the anti-pope <laughs> it's the anti-pope <laughs> well then smack my ass call me the anti-pope <laughs> so according to a probably exaggerated account <laughs> italian author uh vedrani describes matilda now leading troops in the conflicts so she is in the war against the evil anti-pope quote at the head of her numerous squadrons the young maid matilda armed like a warrior and with such bravery that she made known to the world that courage and valor in mankind is not indeed a matter of sex but of heart and spirit goddamn right it is she's out there doing shit yeah like madonna whore neither warrior matilda (laughs) i like that (laughs) so she probably maybe wasn't in battle sure but she probably definitely was planning it okay so she did have influence over the military strategy that was being deployed by her factions making her the director of the kenosan armies which is still a huge deal huge in 1069 her stepfather died And so her role with the armies only increased. Mm. Uh, Since her stepfather died, Matilda had to marry his successor in order to keep her lands. Mm -hmm. Which kind of fucking sucks. And so she married Godfrey IV, the Hunchback. Oh, no. Who was her stepbrother. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. (laughs) And so he became the Margrave of Tuscany. And she was... The patriarchy makes me so mad. Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> like, it's terrible. Why? Just in order for her to keep her own shit that mm-hmm. she should have full access to. Mm-hmm. She's gotta marry Godfrey the Humpback? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And so they actually didn't stay in Tuscany. Matilda lived with that man in Lorraine in what seems to be an absolutely dead marriage for <laughs> a while. <laughs> they were not attracted to one another and not only that their politics were conflicting mm. which in this era is a big deal that's a huge turnoff yeah god <laughs> godfried was like long live the holy roman emperor and matilda was like i'm all here for the pope uh-huh and things weren't great in 1071 they had a child together unfortunately the baby did not survive and at that point, Matilda was like, you know what? Why am I even doing this? And so she went back to Tuscany. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. So technically, she and Godfrey were married until his death in 1076. But, I mean, they never lived together. The hunchback stayed in Lorraine and Matilda moved back to Tuscany and co-governed with her mother there. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. I'm not exactly sure how it happened. But now two women were just running the estate. Excellent. I guess... What is it called when it's not, you know? Hmm? You don't know? Mm. <laughs> symbolic. They oh. had a symbolic gotcha. man. I was like, 
I you just- didn't really say anything to describe what you were looking for, and so I was ready to start just throwing out words. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So there was a symbolic man who was, okay. like, the Margrave of Tuscany, but her and her mom were running he was, the show. He was a mouthpiece yeah. for, for what they wanted. Okay, yeah. good. She shared her mother's love of learning and, from her youth, encouraged and funded the building of monasteries to assist in the spread of literacy and the transmission of written culture. Mm. 1076 was a pivotal year for Matilda, so that was the year her husband died, Mm -hmm. but also the year her mother died. Mm. After her husband's death, her assets were willed to his nephew, Godfried Bullion, and in that same year... Henry IV, who's the Holy Roman Emperor, uh-huh. issued a proclamation against the Pope. Okay. And, like, deposed of him as, as decree. Uh-huh. And that pissed off the Pope, who in turn excommunicated Henry IV. Oh, for Pete's sake. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Pope is Pope Gregory, and Matilda and Pope Gregory are friends. He is a longtime visitor... Of the House of Canossa. Oh. And after the death of Matilda's mother, they Uh became even closer. She depended on him a lot and also depended on Bishop Anselm of Lucca. And they were her advisor and confidants in matters political as well as spiritual. Hmm. So she is like in this whole conflict that is very important. She's deep in it. She is one of the figureheads of it, essentially. Yeah, In... 1077, public opinion favored the Pope over Henry IV. Society's flip-flopping quite a bit. (laughs) Nobody can get their shit figured out. And so Henry IV was now in a tricky situation because he was excommunicated. Yeah. Henry is now writing Matilda in hopes that she could use her influence with the Pope to get the excommunication removed. (laughs) And this leads to the famous incident at Canossa. Okay. So. Uh-oh. Henry. Oh, dear. Desperate to be popular again. <laughs> <laughs> begins a journey to Rome to do penance to the Pope because he does not oh. want to be excommunicated. Uh-huh. The Pope was on his way to Germany when he heard of Henry's journey. Uh-huh. And so, being at the in-between place, mm-hmm. stops at Matilda's castle. Okay. And it's winter, so it's cold. Oh, my God. Henry has now also planned his stop at Matilda's. Uh-huh. And when he arrived, he was dressed not as an emperor, but mm-hmm. as a sinner, seeking absolution. Mm-hmm. He came in just, like, beggar's garments and little else on him. Mm-hmm. The Pope was interested to hear what Henry had to say, but was in no rush to hear it. So, in, like, nothing in the middle of winter, Henry waits outside Matilda's palace for three days. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's not good. Yeah. He's sorry. He's going he's gonna <laughs> to be frostbrit. He's very sorry. Yeah. When he was finally invited inside, Matilda mediated. She okay. was the mediator between these two most important people yeah. <laughs> in Europe at the time. With Matilda sitting at his side, the Pope had Henry come to him on his knees and make public atonement, humiliating himself before the Pope. <laughs> Boy, those Catholics love to just rub salt in the wound, don't they? <laughs> they sure fucking do. <laughs> Following the, you know, three days outside, the yeah. begging, mm-hmm. the humiliation, 
the Pope pardoned Henry. Things were not settled, however, mm-hmm. because the pardoning pissed off German nobles who did not support the Pope's decision because it weakened their social standing. Okay. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Long story short, Matilda's buddy, the Pope, again, was like, you know, I made a bad choice. (laughs) Henry, you're deposed. (laughs) It's. This is going on forever. And Matilda's just, like, there. (laughs) Just in the middle of it, watching this shit show bounce back and forth like Mm -hmm. a shitty tennis match. Just like, can you two, please? Yeah. Can we just not? She's like, okay, come on. Let's just give the power to the Pope like I want. Like I want. (laughs) Just give me my land. Mm -hmm. Just come on, y'all. So, in 1085, Gregory dies. Pope Gregory dies. And Matilda, now just on this, because she's on the side of the Catholic Church, is in support of Pope Victor III. Matilda, always for the cause, leads her army to Rome to put Victor in power. Okay. Fighting in armor at the head of her troops. But the emperor and the anti-pope's forces prevail again. (gasps) Oh, dear. (laughs) And the pope is sent into exile. So she ultimately fails this time. Yeah. In 1088, Matilda took a break from politics. Good. It's good for her. Yeah, she deserves it. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what she did? What? She founded the first law school in Europe, reviving the study of Justinian's Code of Roman Law, which gives women the right to own, manage, and inherit property. Hell yeah! Because she is like, I want my shit. (laughs) Yes, absolutely! Yeah. She also ordered for some of the most beautiful Italian Romanesque monuments in Florence, Lucca, Minuta, and Pisa to be built or restored, and worked to establish a network of hospices throughout northern Italy that revived pilgrimage and trade and laid the foundation for the Italian Renaissance. Oh my gosh! She was like, I'll take a little break and do just little things. I'll bring us into the modern era. (laughs) Oh my goodness! Yeah. Good for her! Right? She is... She's like, look at all this time that I have on my hands that I can accomplish when I'm not babysitting these men. <laughs> and you know what I'm a little salty about? What? So this is a personal beef that I have with what I've learned in life. Okay. I had to hear about this when I was studying international studies. Sure. Because it's like a big deal. Yeah. European history. I never heard of who Matilda was. <gasps> Really? I had no idea. I've all of some of these names that are coming up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I remember that happening. I kind of uh-huh. remember that. Matilda has been completely cut out of the curriculum that I got. Ugh. And, and that- she she nearly single handedly was just like, welcome to the future, motherfuckers. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. That's extremely frustrating. Yeah, it is. Back to the <laughs> back to the history of all this shit. <laughs> so 1089. Matilda has done all this stuff. The exile pope has died, and okay. a new pope is now his successor, and it's Pope Urban II. He encouraged Matilda, because she's always friends with the pope, mm-hmm. to marry 17-year-old Wolf of Bavaria, which she did. She was like, yeah, okay, he says to do it, I'm going to do mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Matilda also did some poking around with her beefing buddy in this whole thing, <laughs> Henry IV, and encouraged his second wife, Adelhead formerly Eupraxa of Kiev, to leave him. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which she did. And then she went to Canosa to live with Matilda. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. In 1090, Henry's forces attacked Matilda's, because obviously he's mad, Mm -hmm. taking control of several of her castles. He also took over much of her territory and other cities under her control. And other cities under her control were also pushing for independence at the Mm -hmm. time. So she was going through some grief. However, Matilda does not give up. And when Henry tried to take Canossa, he was defeated by Matilda's army. Damn right. Matilda also had some influence at this time over Henry's son, Conrad II, and she was like, you know, you don't need to be on his side. <laughs> and so he he switched yeah. sides and Naturally. he was now on Matilda's That's amazing. and rebelled against his father. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, again, for a short period of time, Matilda made peace with Henry IV's son and successor. And she also was like, eh, I'm not into this. 17 year old that i married and so she abandoned that marriage (laughs) also because wolf's father Uh was in support of the holy roman emperor and not the papal cause for pete's sake yeah everybody stop flip-flopping take a side yeah it's like me when i'm watching the super bowl (laughs) i don't know any who's winning yay go you i'm on their team unless it's patriots in which case they can suck a fart You're not wrong. Also, the Redskins, because change your mascot. Fuck that. (laughs) Actually, you know what? I take that back. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of teams and people that I'm like, you on it? No, I don't want you. (laughs) I hope you lose. That's fair. But that's the most investment I have in anything. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's important to note that when people play football, Mm -hmm. they all lose because they all have brain damage. (laughs) And I can say that as somebody who played football and was concussed. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> exactly. Do, do, do. <laughs> Where am I? Okay. So she's away she from her husband. She left the 17-year-old. Yes. She's okay. a, she left the 17-year-old. Also, in the, ten, in the 90s. The 1090s. The 1090s. <laughs> um, the man her ex-husband willed her lands to. Okay dies and so she is now the undisputed owner of these lands sure however however (laughs) is she though because she is a woman she is not given the title of margrave of tuscany as was expected Uh uh-huh so she has the lands she just doesn't have the title sure and she spends the rest of her life trying to fight for recognition good yeah as she should (laughs) she's been doing all the hard work here yes she has through it all holy roman empires popes they just keep dying and she's the one she's the one keeping it all together steadfast she's like hey i'm here i'm still here i'm still kicking can i please have my shit yeah matilda's influence on the conflict between the emperor and the pope never ended throughout the whole dispute even as more popes came and went although her direct involvement lessened in her later years Mm. in 1102 she renewed her promise to donate her lands to the church because at this point she's fairly old Mm -hmm. she has no heirs and she has all of this important land Mm -hmm. so she's like yeah i'll give it to the church also i'm gonna found over a hundred churches monasteries and build bridges and stuff in alps and rome oh whoa yeah so she's like just little things that i'll do at the end of my (laughs) life that i in the future nobody will give a a single shit about or give me any credit for cool 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 (laughs) in 1106 henry the fourth died and was replaced by henry the fifth 
And in uh, 1110, Henry V came to Italy and declared peace and visited Matilda. So now they're at another time of peace. Okay. In all this fighting. Good. She did homage for her lands under imperial control, and he expressed his respect for her, Mm. which is cool. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, dude. And the next year, they were considered, like, fully reconciled. And she even willed her lands to Henry in 1111, and Henry made her regent of Italy. Oh, yeah. That's a big title. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. A year later, in 1112, Matilda was like, uh, uh. I'm gonna I'm gonna donate my lands to the church, and so she told the church that she was donating their lands to her. Uh huh. But just a year before, she told Henry that she was gonna donate her, uh-huh. her lands to him. Yeah. But she didn't tell him that she changed her mind. <laughs> <laughs> so much confusion to ensue mm-hmm. after her death. Great. Speaking of death, on July twenty fourth, eleven fifteen, Matilda passed away. Some reports say that she caught a cold and died because that's how people passed away yeah. in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Other reports say that she had gout and died. Mm. Bummer. Yeah. She had no heirs, nobody to inherit her titles. <laughs> and now there's this huge conflict over her land. <laughs> <laughs> and so the church and Henry V started fighting once again. <laughs> again. That's a, I, th- I think there's there's some poetic... Some some, oh. some poetic something. Yeah. I mean, if not justice, then something else. Just be like, ah, oh, I've put up with your bullshit. Mm-hmm. We have finally made some peace. Ha, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> fight <laughs> over it. You put me through all of that. Continue to fight. Right? Because <laughs> you're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Kick <laughs> off. <laughs> Which I loved. <laughs> I was like, how messy. Okay. <laughs> At her request, she was buried at the Abbey of San Benedito di Polarone mm. until 1634. Okay. When Pope Urban VIII had her remains reinterred in the Vatican in Rome with a memorial tomb prominently placed within 100 yards of the Apostle Peter. Oh, shit. Big fucking deal. The new placement in death was considered the honor and glory of Italy, and she is the only person besides the popes depicted as holding a key to heaven oh my god so the catholic church did give her her flowers yeah and that's cool (laughs) Um, oh wow yeah also notably after her death it is believed that she is featured as a minor character in dante's purgatorio Uh uh-huh which is the second book it's the sequel to inferno yes yeah it's the second canticle of the divine comedy which Fun fact, because Zeth told me this. Oh. Dante's Inferno uh-huh. is, like, the first written Italian. Oh. Like, the reason we know Italian. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. I um, have no idea. And in said Divine Comedy, not Inferno, the second one, <laughs> she functions as a baptizer in the earthly paradise. Oh, wow. Yeah. That seems like a good job. Yeah. So she is, like, essentially... She's practically a pope. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Matilda of Tuscany was the most powerful woman in the world during her lifetime. She was not afraid to support a cause she believed in and earned the title Handmaiden of St. Peter through her support of the church. Shit. And that's a lot of history. Thank you for sitting through that. No, absolutely. (laughs) I think Matilda's great. That's so cool. Yeah. Look, I'm going to be perfectly honest. Most of the history that I know about you know, Europe mm-hmm. is 
from you in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like from my education prior to specifically studying international mm-hmm. studies, what I know about Europe is World War II. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. It's like bill. No. Other than yeah. that, nothing. Pretty That's much. That's fucking fascinating. Okay. So, Thank you. Before oh, yes, your my sources. sources, I read an entry on Matilda on medievalwoman.org. There was an article called Matilda of Tuscany, the Great Countess of Tuscany by John Johnson Lewis. I used Britannica.com, Encyclopedia.com, and a Columbia EDU entry mm. on Matilda of Tuscany. Excellent. Yay! Woo. Way to go. Thank you. Excellent. Well, that uh, that about wraps it up for mm. us kids. Mm-hmm. So if you would be so kind, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. Give us a five-star reviews. Mm-hmm. We like that so much. Also, you can go ahead and follow us on our social media accounts. We are at That Broad's Got Moxie on Instagram and Facebook and Broad's Got Moxie on Twitter. And also, feel free to drop us a line. Give us some suggestions or ask us questions or, you know what, just pop in to say, hey, introduce yourself. Uh, you can email us at thatbroadsgotmoxie at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's okay. a wrap. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye. Arrivederci. 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 Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.